Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entree Architect membership is built for you, the small firm entrepreneur architect. Monthly training, full access to all our business resources, and a private member forum powered by Slack. Come build a better business with hundreds of your fellow entrepreneur architects and me at Entree Architect Membership. Enroll now free for 30 days at EntreeArchitect.com. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 244. And this week, Clever Modern's architect Earl Parson is here, and we're talking about the power of the niche. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more at RCAT.com. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. And Revit Rocketship. Learn Revit the fast and easy way with a powerful online course developed by the guys over at F9 Productions. From first-time users to seasoned pros, Revit Rocketship will show you how. Earl Parson. Welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Mark LePage, so happy to be back. Thanks it, for having me on the show. It's awesome to have you here. Earl's a good friend of mine. He's a member of the Entree Architect membership for a long time. He's been a member of the community for a long time. Uh, he and I have, have uh, 
He's been sharing his story with me throughout his story. I wanted to bring him back to the show because he, he has a great story. Um, he's been on the show before as part of the, the Entrepreneur Architect series. Go back to episode 192 to hear all about his origin story, where he came from, what he did, what inspired him to become an architect, his work in Los Angeles as an architect. And I want to I want to throw it right back over to you, Earl, and give us give us the story of where you left off. Last last time you you were a practicing architect in Los Angeles, California. You were the founder of CleverModerns.com, an online platform empowering do-it-yourself home builders with plans and coaching. And your life has sort of you're in a completely different world today. It's all <laughs> evolved, which is why you're here to have this this conversation to tell this story. There's reasons why you are today, but it's nowhere near where you were, uh, I don't know, about a year ago when you were on the show uh, last year. So tell us what's happened in the past year with you. Okay. It it all kind of went crazy, but in a good in a good way. So, um, so I guess a year ago at this point, we were... Um, We'd been working on, you know, practicing in Los Angeles, and then we had bought this property in northern Arizona, and we were building Quonset huts, and so that's the compound. We have two Quonset huts there, and we're working on our third, our third building on the property. And so we were underway with that, and it was going really well. But then what started happening at the end of the year was um, my my Quonset hut work started attracting clients in that niche. And so now I'm all in on the Quonset Hut home niche and my entire, I have a wait list of clients for that and it's just completely crazy. And so then we, um, over the winter, we were in a slowdown on the build because it's, it's Arizona. And so everyone thinks that is the, means it's the desert, but it's actually, we're in Northern Arizona at high altitude. And so they have winter there, actual winter, uh, <laughs> which is, a, you know, when you're from Los Angeles and it's warm all the time and, you know, it, it's a it's winter is a thing that's, you know, you, you have to sort of come to terms with. And so we were in a slow and, and it's weird to say that, but and we were in a slowdown on the build is what I'm trying to get to. And so during our winter slowdown for the build, um, Eric, my husband and I were just, you know, there was sort of a crazy weekend where um we got it in our heads that we, we just were done with Los Angeles. And, and I don't mean that, like, I mean, I, I, there are things I missed a lot about Los Angeles and I really love that city and it was great to me for, you know, over 20 years, but we just realized that we were so excited about the Quonsets and the compound and, and that my practice was starting to go in that direction. And Eric was at a point to shift gears with his work and his career and, um, we just decided to just completely, uh, well, we decided to leave Los Angeles and, and we sort of entertained some different thoughts along the way, but we, you know, then by spring, we were all in on looking to, to really just move to Arizona, um, full time, uh, permanently. And so, um, by late April, um, we were, we ended up, uh, we found this beautiful, late 1970s, very modern house in Prescott, Arizona, which is a mountain, a mountain town, um, a couple hours north of Phoenix and about an hour and a half south of our other property. And it just was like a perfect fit. And I mean, if you had, if you had asked me to describe my most 
you know, the sort of describe for me what you think the most beautiful architectural house in Prescott would be. I wouldn't have even come close to this thing. We got this beautiful house that was designed by the guy that built the city hall and some of the schools here. And he was a really good architect from Phoenix um, in the post-war years who moved up to Prescott and sort of retired here or lived the rest of his career out up here. And, uh, and we got this really great house that he built in the seventies and we're the third owner and it still has the shag carpeting in it from the seventies and stuff, which we're going to change out. But you know, it's just like our whole life is our lives have completely changed. And now I'm just doing all these Quonset huts, uh, for people all over the place. Um, I have this Facebook group that, uh, has over 800 members and is growing, um, in, in my, in my niche. And, uh, it's, you know, uh, my website is still, I'm, I'm developing, continuing to develop that. And so it's just, it's sort of shifted from, um, this vision for uh, coaching do-it-yourself home builders. And there's a, there's a definitely an element of that that's heavily in, you know, the community that I'm building because a lot of the people that want to build a Quonset hut house are, um, you know, there's a big element of doing it yourself, you know, in, in that. But, um, but what I'm, I had envisioned this business model around having coaching clients where, you know, they need advice and, and, and so forth along the way. And it, it's really turned into, um, the Facebook group with its 800 and some members is sort of a self coaching forum for all these people, <clears throat> pardon me, to, to participate in and support one another. And then the ones that really want something architectural, something really special and unique that, you know, because I'm a major presence in the group, everyone there knows me. And by the way, and they're so appreciative and grateful. It's just, it's amazing when you dial into a niche where people, uh, you know, an area that's underserved in some way, and then you just provide a, a, a platform or a forum for people to interact then. And come together. Uh, it's the community that, that's yeah, the, the thing. Yeah, the community. That... And, and like, so I, I mean, there's a sense in which I'm kind of the leader in a way of this community, but it's not like I'm leading it, yeah. really. It, it's just going, and I'm just, you know, helping. I'm encouraging. I'm an encourager more than I'm a leader. But then, the, you know, then they come to me for um, for for services and stuff. And so, um, you know, I've worked out a, a sort of format where I, I basically charge hourly, and if somebody needs a little bit of my time or a lot of my time, I'll... I'll take their project and, you know, work with them. And, um, it's, it's working out great. And I, you know, I have a wait list now. I had to establish a process for, you know, I had to realize I have limits on my time. And so, um, you know, and certain amount of our time is up at the property working on the buildings there. And so, um, you know, I, I've been working that out and, and realized, well, I need to, you know, have a procedure for a wait list and take the, the clients one at a time, not really one at a time. I've got a, you know, a few things on my plate at a time, but, um, yeah, it's just all like, I, I just can't believe the, you know, I've, I've gone from like doing reasonably well in Los Angeles, but always sort of feeling like it's so hard to be noticed there. And I, I you know, I was, a I was, I think a good architect in an area with like a really, a lot of good architects. And that was one of the fun things about living in Los Angeles. It makes it a great city, you know, and there's a real culture and appreciation for good design and architecture there. And there's a lot of architects there doing really good work, but it's also really hard to get noticed. Mm 
And, um, and so the mindset shifts that I've had to kind of deal with myself of like, you know, 20 years of sort of struggling to get noticed. And now it's like, I even, I even went on a long hiatus from blogging or, or anything like that earlier this year when we were moving and all of that. And the clients kept coming. It did, you know, it, it just was, it, it became kind of on, and you can't leave it on autopilot for too long, but you know, it, it, I could step away from all of that and, and it still kind of kept itself going. And, and the, you know, the material that I had put out was enough to still keep, I'm, I'm, you know, they, people find me on Google. I also have been doing YouTube, some YouTube videos. So, and they're, I, you know, they're not great. Um, but you're doing it. But they're, I'm doing that, and they're good enough that people, you know, people subscribe. People come into the Facebook group and say they found me through YouTube. Yeah, you know, and stuff like that. And um, and that's that's it's, that's the power of the niche. Yeah, that that absolutely. right there, what you just described, this transformation from from an architect in Los Angeles, residential architect, competing with hundreds of other architects. And then finding this niche of of uh, Quonset Hut houses, you have established yourself as the world leader or a world leader in Quonset house design. You well, you, yeah. I mean, and I didn't. I know, and you didn't intentionally do that, and you may not even consider yourself that. But that's what this niche niche has has done for you. I have to now start to own that I am an expert in this area and, yeah. and, uh, and a leader and a thought leader. I mean, I'm a thought leader, like I'm a thought leader, You are, you know? but I am because exactly I have a Facebook right. group with hundreds of people who all look to my expertise. So, right. And so, so, I mean, for one, I want to just point that out. I talk about target market almost every episode, <laughs> right? And you have taken that. You are a perfect example of that. The, the power of a target market, the power of finding your niche. I mean, who would have ever imagined that there's a, a, a market of people out there that want to design their uh, a home, their own home, using a Quonset hut? Right. You, I would never, before I met you, I would have never even well, known that there were homes made out of yeah. Quonset huts. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, it's not... It's probably not a group of, you know, there's probably not millions of people that are interested in this and that's okay. It doesn't, right. I don't require millions of people to want what I've provide. Right. Yep. Exactly. Um, and I think this group, I think the Facebook group could grow to 10,000 people mm -hmm. over, given enough time and, yep. you know, et cetera. Um, and, uh, I think there's a, there's an aspect of, you know, of Quonset huts that, you know, it sort of overlaps with prefab and mm -hmm. some stuff like that, that I think, um, if it were, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of room for growth in this niche, I think as well, I guess yep. is what I'm trying to there's say. There's a lot of like, allied, um, uh, well, like tiny niches house as people, well. Right. Tiny house people who like realize that there are a lot of people who are like, for example, exploring tiny houses. And then they realize, but it just seems too small to be practical for yeah. them. So they yeah. start exploring too other tiny. things that are like alternative, <laughs> alternative ways of building, and then they get to Quonset huts. Yeah. Or uh, I mean, there's other similar things to that that then they realize it's not quite right for them, but then they find a Quon they find Quonset huts. Yeah. So um, I want you to go back. Okay. To to L.A. to 
starting clevermoderns.com, what was the original intent of clevermoderns.com? What did you do specifically to build that platform out? And then give us the steps that sort of happened. That how, what was the evolution of the original idea for Clever Moderns to where it is now, pretty much focused on Quonset Homes? Well, I... Because I want to I want to show others yeah. how to do what you did, right? What so, do they do? How do they how do they start? Why did you pick Clever Moderns? Well, I just like the name. I mean, it, 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 the way the name came about and how really and how it all got off how it how that I, those ideas developed it, it had more to do with excuse me it had more to do with um, a way to it was an idea about creating stock plans in mm-hmm. a sense but we're geared towards the do-it-yourself home builder. So that was like the original part of the original concept. And with the idea that you could um, do a really simplified, you know, like more like a schematic design set and give it away for free as a way of bringing people in and then, you know, eventually sell them the plans and along the way, sell them coaching and consulting and advising type of services. And potential architecture as well. That, that some of those right. plans, they would hire you to be the architect to develop those exactly. into a fuller set. So, I mean, so those were the original, the original ideas. And then, um, it, it evolved. Well, one of the original ideas was, uh, to incorporate Quonset huts as a DIY technology. And I had goals of building my own Quonset hut house. And so then when Eric and I found our property and really started designing, worked out our site plan, started getting it really underway. And we started with two simple buildings, a workshop and a garage building just to get out of the ground with a Quonset hut and learn how they go, how they work, you know, build, build something simple first, just to start to see how, how it goes together. And, um, and I had just been to, uh, Talias and West and just seeing this grand vision that Wright created from just a scrap of empty desert. And, and then, you know, and then he, he, over the years, he just kept building it out yeah. and building it out and he built a know, compound and, and built his thing. Right. And so I was just like, oh, I got, I really just want to do my version of that, you know? Um, and, and much smaller scale and everything, obviously, but you know, that, that, that was a big inspiration. So we started with the Quonset huts and then it was just an easy, it was an easy and natural thing to start populating the website, you know, with, with the Quonset stuff, because that's what we were doing. Right. And we could so show you, it firsthand, like here, here we're building this thing. So, you know, so you had a personal and, interest and a passion to build right. these Quonset houses, Quonset house, uh, to show your community at the time, do it yourself, home builders, how to do it. That was great right. content for your blog and your Instagram and and um, the Facebook and your your Facebook. I don't think you had a Facebook group with that yet. The group uh, didn't the group come came until later, later, right? Yeah, but it, but it gave you the content to to share gave, yeah, on it, that it platform. Became, exactly, it was the natural sort of aspect to you know start putting content on. Now, then what, what, what ended up happening, and I think this can happen with any entrepreneurial venture really is some things really, really stick. And then some things don't, aren't as important, uh, in the long run. 
And so as you develop your business, you, you try and look really carefully and pay attention to what are people responding to and what is less important. And so, uh, the, the, just the Quonset thing really took off. And I started, you know, I was developing my Instagram, uh, account and trying to, you know, really pay attention to who else was doing Quonset hut stuff. And like there, there weren't really there. So that was around the time also that true North in Detroit, which is the Quonset hut community in Detroit. That's won some awards and things. Um, it, it, it's easy to look up online if you're not familiar with it, but true North was, was being built and getting some traction and getting some attention. But then other than that, there's some, there's some individual Quonset hut house houses out there that are, you know, that stand out, uh, as being architecturally really interesting, but there aren't that many. And they are sort of like one-off things that, you know, that you can find pictures of online, but no one is really claiming that as an area of specialty. So I, I started really realizing, I mean, I kind of expected I would just be stepping into a thing that had a lot of players and would be, you know, and it wasn't like that. Yeah. And so I was, I, the more I, I got into it, I just started really seeing that there, there was an unfilled need here for some architecture. And, and with the amount of Pinterest shares that the, these, you know, few different architectural Quonset hut houses get, it's like, well, there's some people that are crazy for this stuff. And so I started really focusing on that. And then, so I developed the part of my website that had to do with, you know, coaching and services. And I got a client, uh, around the end of the year, right around the end of the year. And I, I remember when I had the first, I had, uh, because you can, you can schedule, you can schedule and book your appointment with me right on the website and pay. And so I hooked up, you know, I, I have a WordPress website and I hooked up, um, Stripe for a credit card processing and I got Acuity, which is a scheduling app and, uh, Acuity interfaces with my Google calendar. So if I'm busy and booked on my calendar, then it, it just shows, it shows, it only shows appointment slots at times that I'm available. It doesn't really show them my calendar. And I got a notification that someone had booked and paid. <laughs> That's so exciting. The, uh, so oh, exciting, isn't miraculous. it? I remember it's the first time. It's so exciting. Uh, you know, and I don't do a ton of those, but you know, when the ones that are, and, and most of the time I say, I would say I do a couple of those a month and you know, and it's an hour on Zoom, face to face with you know with someone. Occasionally, it's, they just want to talk on the phone, but usually it's a it's a face to face, and I can share the screen and and we'll talk for an hour about their you know their project. Would you and, are you would you be willing to share how much you get paid for that for that hour? Yeah, I charge two hundred dollars for that. Two hundred dollars an hour. Two hundred dollars for that. Yeah, for that hour. Yep. And sometimes it's not even an hour. And I always ask, you know, is there anything else you want to talk about? Or is, you know, and if, if they're done after 45 minutes, then that's fine. We can end and that's okay. Yeah. And it's um, all pre prepaid. They pay before the they call. pay the credit. They plunk down yep. their credit card right there on the website and they book it. Yeah. And, um, if they want to occasionally, there's someone who is more local. And if they want to book it to actually meet at the compound and go see the buildings, we'll do it that way. And, oh, you uh, need to build in a premium for that. 
That's okay. a that's a five hundred dollar visit. Yeah, and, and so anyway, <laughs> that, but um, so I see your gears are turning. <laughs> and, well, we've thought about things like that, and so then, but occasionally, and so most of the time, those are people that I. So I see the name and then I can tell, okay, have the, I, I check in my email and stuff and I can look and see, are they in my ecosystem already? Is, yeah. are they, have they signed up for my newsletter because I send an email newsletter or are they in the Facebook group and I can search and see if they're in the Facebook group and then look at some of their posts and kind of see who they are. But you know, once in a while, I will get one that is just a total out of the blue. I have no idea who this person is. Um, and that's when it's a real thrill because they've found my website. They've seen what I do some way. They've seen a YouTube video, one of my YouTube videos or something, and they just want to book a meeting. And those that's, that's when it's really, um, you know, unexpected and out of nowhere. And it's a real, it's a real thrill to do those. And, you know, and then in the confirmation email sequence that they get, which all comes through acuity, they, um, they, I have a Google form that is a, like an intake questionnaire. So they get a link to that. And then they fill that out um, in advance of the meeting. And then occasionally, like, I'll have something, you know, last minute I've got to go up to the property for a concrete pour or something that is unavoidable with the schedule. And I just will, like, email them and say, I'm really sorry. My calendar wasn't current and I apologize and we have to reschedule. And they're, every, they're fine with that. I've never had a problem. And that doesn't happen very often, but you know, people are understanding. And I think actually the fact that the fact that I can't meet with you because I have a Quonset hut situation that I have to go take care right. of on my own project, it just adds, it kind of adds to my own expertise, perceived right. expertise that I, you know, that I'm in the trenches with my own Quonset huts and it doesn't seem to bother anyone. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, that's so. And then, so from the fall, from that first one in November and they signed up and they were my first client and, um, you know, and that person is in my Facebook group and raves about me at every opportunity. And that wasn't even a full design service. That was some help fixing the floor plan and developing the elevations. And, and that was all that the service was. And, um, you know, not high art architecture or anything, and that's okay. And I, I've got to tell you, there are a couple that are on my desk right now that are going to be high art architecture with Quonset huts, and I'm thrilled. And and even the ones that are just fixing a floor plan or helping them with a, a little bit of an aspect of their, you know, project, they're so grateful. They're so appreciative. They pay their invoice right away, and they're and they rave about me in the Facebook group. Anytime someone needs an architect, there's someone in there telling them they should just call me. And so um, it's just a miraculous thing to me to, to find this, you know, underserved niche. And I think, you know, you don't have to have you don't have to have built a building in your niche for your own use to do this. If you if you've got an idea for a niche, you know, market segment for for your that you would like to go in your practice, then write a book on the topic. And now you're an expert, you know, go on Amazon and search 
under your topic for a book? Are there any books? Will you be the first one? Because there are probably people in there searching for some kind of a handbook or manual or guide or thing in your area. And if you write the only one that is going to return in the search on Amazon, then they'll find you. Uh, start doing YouTube videos on the topic. It's not that hard. And they don't even have to be that good because mine are, I've even had like, I don't know, when I, when I got my first thumbs down on a YouTube video, I laughed and laughed because, <laughs> you well, okay, and here it goes back to the mindset thing. So there's a thing about your mindset that I just was realizing as I was thinking about coming on with you today. Your mindset is like there's kind of an aspect to your mindset that is like a blind spot for you. Because... So much of, I mean, we know that so much of business is about your mindset, being in business, dealing with the public, putting your work out there, charging money for it, standing behind it, you know, all of that. There's so much of that that has to do with your mindset. Growing your business is a lot of it is about your mindset. But you know, if, if you look where you are today and you look at someone who is what you would consider to be really successful in a way that you would like to be. And if you if you just look at mindset for a minute, it's really hard to say, well, what what kind of mindset does that person have that I don't have? What do I need to where's my mindset got to change? It's not obvious at all. It's not easy to see that introspectively, that's really hard to figure out. So there's a kind of blind spot to your own mindset and where you need to work on your mindset, you know, in order to grow in the way that you would like. And, um, oh, now I'm losing my train of thought. Well, well how do you, how do you find that? If you, if you know there's a blind spot there and Oh, well, I was talking about the YouTube. I don't know, but it's okay. But on my YouTube, I realized when I had a down, when I had a down thumb on my, the first, for the first time, and I don't have very many, but my videos aren't even that good. Um, the, uh, I laughed and laughed and I was like, then I was laughing at myself, laughing about the down thumb on the YouTube because what I kind of realized, well, I had this sort of realization that, wow. I thought I would be crushed and mortified if I got a, a thumbs down on you. I would have expected this would be like the end of my YouTubing. And I laughed. I was laughing at it. And I guess I just re- I had to realize that, man, my mindset about this is in a way different, in a good way. You know, I, I was, wow, I was pleased with myself that like I, I could I could take a thumbs down and it was OK, because that just means like, well, OK, this is not for them. And that's OK. What I'm doing is not for everyone. I don't have to, my, 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 that's one of the things about having a niche. You are not for everyone and that's okay. You know, um, and you have to be okay with that. And in fact, you're not not for the majority. Yeah. And you know, and it doesn't mean that, I mean, if somebody came to me tomorrow and wanted a project that I wanted to do, uh, I would absolutely, I would take it. It's not that, it's not that once you have, establish your niche. You can't touch anything else. Uh, it just means you're really selective about it. And it just, you know, I mean, the realtor that we bought our house with here is talking about building a house. Well, they're lovely people and I would love to design her house. 
and work with her on that. And that and it won't be a Quonset hut, and that's fine, you know. Um, but the but the um, I think sometimes the mindset thing it just reveals itself to you in unexpected ways. Um, I used to look at I used to look at other architects that seemed you know extremely accomplished and published and all of those things and. There was like always a, I would always, you know, kind of admire the work. And there was always a part of me that felt kind of bad. Like, oh, I wish I was doing that level of work or, oh, why can't I be doing stuff like that? Yeah. I think that's a very common feeling for architects. I think, well, uh, yeah. And I think, um, one of the things since I've really like gone into this, this niche is I had, I, I think of it now as my gene gang epiphany, <laughs> Which is, I, you know, something from Arc Daily came across my screen or whatever, and it was one of her big, you know, geometric towers that she does. They're so fabulous. And I realized that I looked at that and I thought, man, I'm really glad she is doing that work because... I love living in a world where that is going on and I can't do that. And I don't know if I would want to do that. Not like that there's anything wrong. I just like, that's not me. Right. But, but I love that she's doing that and I can do my thing and I can contribute in my way and everyone else is contributing in their way. And it's more, it becomes more about contribution and less about comparing what I'm doing with others in a way that I feel less than in some way, you know? Yeah. And I think when I was struggling uh, in Los Angeles with my practice there, I mean, and I did some really great work for some super appreciative clients and, you know, I mean, those were great years for me, but, um, I don't know, having this real narrow specialization where, and I don't feel limited in this specialization. It's more like when you have a, when you have design, when you're designing something that has really specific constraints, and then there's this way in which the constraints, you actually kind of leverage the constraints to delve into the nuts and bolts of the design in a more uh, careful way, or the constraints drive the design in a, in a more interesting way, or you know that aspect of having constraints on a design, uh, program and stuff. So I think that the, the niche in a way is a kind it can become a kind of framework that provides constraints that are a positive influence on your work. And I think that's a, that's also, you know, if you can, if you can get out of the kind of it's a thing with entrepreneurs anyway, to want to do all the things. And it's a thing with architects to want to design all the things. And so when you're an entrepreneur architect, you really <laughs> are like all over the place crazy, you know? That's but, very true. I never looked at it know, like that. That's so true. But um, if you can, if you can just, you know, quiet that part of your, of your mind a little and find something to focus on, it can just be, really rewarding. And I don't just mean, you know, financially rewarding. I mean, it's, it's very gratifying 
and like the clients, the clients are really appreciative in a niche. When you build yourself a community like you have, and there are these people who are so appreciative, um, how much does at the end of every episode, I say, love, learn, share. Yeah. That it's, that it's, it's, it's the three things that I think can change the world that if everybody focused on doing more of that, the world becomes a better place. When you have a, a, a niche community like you have, um, and, and we have it, Entree Architect, um, when you focus on those three things, how much does that play into the success that you're seeing at the other end? Well, I think it's, I think it's a huge part of it. And I think it's, you know, I, it's about part of having the Facebook group and the, the amount of just sharing of information that goes on there, it really is, I mean, the idea of love, learn, share, I mean, I've, I've started using that in the group, you know, and in I'll hashtag stuff on Instagram with that now and stuff uh, because of you. And I think that, you know, I still, there are still times where my hackles will go up and I want to like withhold, like, oh, I don't want to share this thing with them. <laughs> this person has a bad attitude or like whatever. I mean, I don't know, whatever it might be. And I have to kind of like calm myself down and be like, look, it's, it, it's a, it's a big wide world out there and there's enough to go around for everyone. You have to really take on the abundance mindset and then you, there's a dividend that comes with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you Absolutely. know, the, the, I think that the, 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 when you care about a community of people, a group of people, and you share openly and honestly and transparently, and you begin to learn from them as well, that you learn from, from their experiences and that trust starts to happen. And when that trust starts to happen, then, then there's benefits to that trust that, that they start uh, helping and sharing with one another. And it results in, um, your, uh, becoming an expert in within the group perceived ex expert in Quonset homes. Uh, it sort of, it, it blossoms into people trusting you with their projects. Um, it, it brings the entire group up to another level. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I can't believe there's the, there was a, a group of people wanting to get together to talk about this stuff that was just out there waiting for a place to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you provide a place for that to happen and it, it just starts happening. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Revit Rocket Chip. Hey, are you going to Green Build in Chicago in November? It's coming up and coming up soon. If you're going to be there, Check out RCAT at booth 529-529. Tell them that we sent you over there. This year's theme for the Green Build Convention is Human by Nature, focusing on sustainable buildings and practices that are accessible to everyone. Did you know that you can use RCAT to find lead data on building products? RCAT's powerful search engine can help you find the product information you need that meets all of your environmental standards. Best of all, like everything at RCAT, it's my favorite part, it's free. It's all free at RCAT. Check out RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. Go check them out today and visit them at Green Build this November 14th and 15th, 2018. 
at booth 529 and let them know that, hey, Mark from Entree Architect sent you. Our friends at FreshBooks have been supporting us here at the Entree Architect podcast for a long time now. They've been a platform sponsor for well over two years. So thank you, FreshBooks. So you've heard me talk about FreshBooks a lot here at the Entree Architect podcast. Every episode, in fact, for quite a long time now. But did you know how FreshBooks actually was created? How it came to life? Well, it happened when their founder, Mike, accidentally saved over an invoice. And he kind of snapped. He was using Microsoft Word to bill his clients. He had studied accounting at school, but found that every accounting software in the market was built for some other business, not for him. He was frustrated. He wanted something different, something better, something that was designed for him, a self-employed professional. So he built it. Today, millions of people use FreshBooks, and on average, FreshBooks customers save about 16 hours a month. 16 hours a month. What could you do with an extra 16 hours? Getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. And the same goes for time tracking, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. So give FreshBooks a try. It's free for 30 days. Just visit entrearchitect.com FreshBooks. And then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com FreshBooks to access your free unlimited 30-day trial. Revit Rocketship is a new online course developed by our friends Alex Gore and Lance Psycho over at F9 Productions. They're the guys from the Inside the Firm podcast. Their new online course will get you up and running with Revit fast and easy. It's completely different from anything else available online. You're going to learn how to model in Revit just like it gets built and you won't even need to start from scratch. Alex provides you with a complete ready-to-go template to get started. It's the actual Revit template that his firm, F9 Productions, has developed over the past decade and uses today. He'll walk you through their proven method of developing a Revit model and end up with a completed set of construction drawings that you can use for your portfolio or reference when you develop your next project. Revit Rocketship is based on years of experience using the software and teaching Revit at the university level, so they know how to get you up and running fast and easy. I love that Alex and Lance are sharing their knowledge, and I want you to check out Revit Rocketship. Register today for Revit Rocketship at entrearchitect.com Revit. That's entrearchitect.com slash R-E-V-I-T. RCAT. Fresh Books and Revit Rocketship. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. To recap on the process that you took, you you were a practicing architect. You decided to build this online platform for a specific purpose, for a specific niche. Um, And what was important about that was that it's something you were interested in and you were passionate about. Um, because that's that's something that's really important well, with your niche. It it has to be. It 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 needs. It definitely needs to be something that you will continue to be excited about over time. And you know, and ten years from now, I may shift gears or whatever. I mean, it doesn't mean you're doing it for the rest of your life. 
you know, you can pivot and, but yeah, it needs to be something that you're really want to play a long game in this arena. Yeah. I don't think it works without that. I agree. Because I think for one, you don't have the motivation and, and the inspiration to build that platform to the level where it starts working like it's working for you without that uh, purpose and passion and enthusiasm. But that also, once the community is build, built and people start to, to experience that purpose and that passion and that enthusiasm, that's where the community starts to grow because then they get excited and they get passionate about it. Um, and it all sort of builds on one another. And so I think picking that niche is, is important, uh, but it needs to be a niche that, that you're, you're really interested in, that you're really passionate about. If it's strictly uh, built on something that you think is just going to blow up and make you a lot of money, it's probably not going to do what you want it to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, and this has been a slow build for me, the way, the way it feels from my end. Um, in that, you know, my website, um, I mean, there's still a lot of things I, I you know, I, I sort of feel like I need to go back and groom over the website now and, and make some revisions and bring it up to the next level. Um, but I, you know, I get about a thousand hits a month, uh, unique visitors on my website. I mean, that's not a lot. I mean, it's a lot. Okay. To start from scratch and grow it to that. Okay. You can say that's a lot. When you look at what website traffic really is today out in the world, there's not very much. Well, it depends. It depends on what you're comparing it to. Well, it does. Yeah, it does. For a very, um, very specific, unique niche like Quonset houses, it's probably a lot. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, it's certainly plenty to keep me busy. Right. And, and that's all that matters. <laughs> and have a part-time drafter, you know, helping me now. Um, and... So, okay, so on the journey then, I picked up one client in the fall, uh, another one at the beginning of the year, and then, you know, it started growing more from there. And and then it was over the, you know, over the winter, we got the idea to move. Um, in the spring, we started looking more seriously at, at, you know, March, April, we were looking at houses. And then in May, we moved. So, um and so, you know, so now here we are. And so I guess, um, my, my other practice had really slowed down from it's in the other podcast, but from moving, selling my house, moving, getting married and all that relocating across Los Angeles to a different part of Southern California. So I guess I just, I, the Quonset thing started to, to really hit. And so, I, you know, I've just gone with it and, and, uh, spent. And so then you can do, there's things you can do to start really looking. You have to start, you have to do some things for long enough that you can then look back and start to see trends, start to see what matters and what doesn't matter. Um, I might've mentioned this in the other podcast, but I, you know, I was putting a lot of effort into my Instagram and then I started tracking where people were signing up for my email list. And it turned out almost no one was signing up from Instagram. They were, even if they were coming from Instagram over to my website, they were signing up somewhere on the website. And so the, my focus on Instagram changed, you know, and, and, um, 
and but that you, was really but great. But, but Instagram was so, a was a critical piece, I think. It was, uh, and, and and remains today. I think. I think because because Quonset houses and your photography, your photography is really really good, and so I think the iconic form of a Quonset house in the desert with amazing sunsets and your skill in photography makes makes those images very appealing, very Instagram friendly. And so um, I think that has helped as well, that people see that and there's a there's an emotion evoked from those photographs that people want to learn more, even if they're not interested in Quonset homes, they're interested in those photographs. And they say, what is that? And then they dive deeper. Right. And then they see what it is. And, and so I think uh, there is a community who are out there who are already doing it. And there is a community out there who is being introduced to it by you and your platform. And so now the now the latest thing along those lines that, you know, looking at what's working, what do you double down on? What do you kind of let go of? Yeah. And so we just did a we just did a, a kind of a little bit of analysis based on um, looking at my mail, my MailChimp, which is where my email list is housed. And now that I can see where everyone signs up and I've been observing that for a, a while now, it's really interesting. I was looking to see which of my blog posts, because I have blog posts on different specific topics, which ones were getting the most signups. And I've gotten a handful of signups from several of the different blog posts, many, many signups just from the homepage of the website, but by far like a quarter or a third of my list are people that have signed up from the free plans and the plans section of the page. So, okay. It's obvious to me when people are coming to my website and signing up to learn more and get on my newsletter, it's because of the, of the, the plans. And right. so my initial idea of giving away the free plans as a way of bringing people into my ecosystem was really, I nailed it with that idea. And now, but I it took doing it for long enough to now be able to look back at patterns and see that. Right. And so, uh, one of the things I really need to be doing is doubling down on creating the plans um, cause I don't even have, you know, the idea of, uh, a sort of schematic design level set as a free giveaway and then upselling later on, Hey, buy the construction plans, you know, buy like a stock plan set of this Quonset hut house. Um, I'm not there yet with, with that aspect of or, it. or even coaching or, or, you know, or uh, anything I want to sell right, to that. Group exactly. Of the idea is yeah. to, is to give something away for free of very high value. That it can't be junk. It needs to be very high value. So when they get it, they're like, wow, I can't believe this was free. Then they say, oh, well, this is, this is legit. You know, this is a really high quality thing, which is why pe- people see that free plans. I'm going to definitely sign up for that. Get my free plan. Now you're on their list. You can build a relationship over time with them. And then through that relationship, then provide other services to them, whether it's exactly. a higher level of plans that they pay for or whether it's a coaching call or whether it's a new project that relationship was from that initial connection and then your repeated, you know, touch points through emailing them. Um, right. But that, that idea, we hear about it all the time of giving away something free on your website and then getting your value. I hear architects reject that all the time. Why am I going to do that? What's, what's so valuable of having an email list? 
Well, here's a perfect example. You know, gave away something really of high value. You can, every one of us can do the same thing. Design a really cool house, give that away. Build an email list and then build a relationship. With that relationship, provide higher value service that they pay for. And I think, so something related to that, you know, is, and it, and this this is one of those aspects of it that can really take, takes effort and time and you kind of might struggle with this a little bit, but, or it might be obvious and easy for you, but I don't know what, what is your message? If you're going to have an email list, what are you going to email your people? And I don't always know what I'm, I mean, I've, I've got a construction project underway and I can email them updates and, uh, you know, and nice pictures of the Quonset huts and that's, you know, but, but I think I even struggle with that. Like, is there enough of a message there? to keep it interesting. Pictures are okay, but, um, I, I had a point where I had to sit down and realize like, what well, you know, I, I, what am I communicating here? What am I trying to communicate to my audience? Cause I've developed work to develop this audience and they've signed up to hear from me. This is like, kind of can be kind of scary or intimidating. Like yeah. these people have signed up to hear from me. What's my message to them? And, um, I, you know, I, it, it can be, and it, you know, and it can be light. It can be, uh, it doesn't have to be like, wow, I have to figure out my world changing message now. What am I going to say? You know, it doesn't, have, it, it, you don't have to put that much pressure on yourself, but it's worth thinking about. Yeah. It's really worth like, what is, what is your message to the world? And and then, and, and if, if you're really going to work in a niche, then I think niche businesses that have a worthwhile message are ones that really develop a loyal, devoted following of raving fans. Yeah. And you can almost take any kind of positive message that's worthwhile and like weave it into any kind of, you know, niche market it's just a, a matter of what is your, you know, what is your skill at communication? And that's something that can also be learned. So you don't have to feel like, well, I'm just not good at that kind of communication. I mean, I, you know, I knew nothing. I, I would, when I, if I think back to four or five years ago, when I would be listening to your podcast, Mark, and, you know, standing like on a break from, working at my desk and go to the kitchen and get something or do the dishes to kind of listen to some podcasts and think about stuff and whatever. And I think like I was someone that really was knew nothing about marketing or trying to promote anything or, um, I mean, learning where I've learned WordPress basically on my own. And, um, if you're playing a long game and you're willing to put in some effort over time to sort of learn the things you need to learn, this can all be learned. And, you know, anyone listening to this that thinks, so oh, I'm just not a good communicator or I don't know how to, how can I figure out I can't do WordPress or whatever? Well, I mean, you, if you can, if you can design a building to withstand the elements and be fit for human use, <laughs> you certainly have the wherewithal to be able to figure out what needs to be done, uh, to get what you, where you want to go, you know? And I, I just, I really am, I'm a, 
I, I can't, I can't believe how much, I mean, it's been a real journey for me, but I, I was definitely a, you know, I want to design everything from the cushion to the city kind of an architect at, for a long time. And, you know, and I still love all of that. And, um, but really to find something very specialized that you will have an appreciative audience, man, it's a game changer. Yeah. The, be, before we wrap up, I have, I have, um, I want to ask you one and I want to ask you my final question too, but I want to ask you about time and patience because this, this, this didn't happen over time, over, overnight. This took a long time to get from, uh, the idea of, uh, clever moderns to where you are today with the Facebook group and the, and the, and the Quonset homes and what you're doing today. How long did it take? And what can you talk to people about in terms of, of patience and how long this takes and, and sort of the mindset of knowing that it will come, but it takes time to get there. Yeah. So today we're in the fall of 2018. Okay. Three years ago was when I entered, is that right? Three years ago, I entered the business plan competition. The Charette Venture Group. The Charette Venture Group business plan competition. And your, and your entry was Clever Moderns. And my entry was Clever Moderns. So in the fall of 2015, I was I had picked up some consulting work for an architect I had previously worked for, and I was down in downtown. I remember this. I was in downtown LA a lot, and I would take my breaks and go down to the plaza below our building with my notebook and write out ideas for Clever Moderns and and things that got folded into the business plan. The year prior to that, I signed up for the business plan and didn't enter because I didn't think I had any ideas that were worth entering. And then it was that following spring, so it was sort of in the spring of 2015 that I started getting the ideas for giving away the free plans. And because I remember you, because you were always talking about architects should charge more. And I was like, I'm going to grab the football and run the other way. Yeah. You had, and, you and had, give the plans away for free and Mark LePage is going to hate it. Not really, but, 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 yeah. but did I? No, I encouraged no, I you. Know. I know. But I, I knew I, I, it was, it, it was the changing the, so this is what I talked about in the last, in the last episode was, you know, changing your perspective on the thing you're trying to solve, right? And I use the analogy of when you're when you're drawing a floor plan and you're accustomed to looking at it from the same direction all the time and you rotate the plan 180, even whether it's on your screen or on the thing in front of you on a paper or whatever, right? When you flip the plan a different direction and then start drawing it again or looking at it and studying it, you just see things and you see improvements that need to be made because you're seeing it differently. You know, and um, so that was my, that, you know, giving away the plans is now a starting point for thinking about this in a whole different way. And that was, you know, a big moment for me. But I mean, oh, so that was from going from in the fall would have been the fall of 2014, four years ago of not even thinking I had a worthwhile idea to enter this business plan competition to, you know, to where I am today. That's a long yeah. build. 
And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a long game. And, if, you know, if you I think you can't really reasonably expect big changes like big things that seem like big changes or I don't know if someone seems like there's some kind of an overnight success to you, it's probably because they spent 10 years behind the scenes that you never saw developing their thing. Yeah. Um, and they were persistent and persistence. And it's just, you know, a slow build and paying attention, figuring out what are the things you need to pay attention to. Oh, and you know, a huge thing with, um, with building these buildings and with Eric and I working together on it and, and developing, um, developing our process of working together, uh, because he's an engineer by training, not a structural engineer, but more like mathematical and computer engineering. And our brains just think our brains come at it from different directions often very different directions and trying to coordinate ourselves together to move forward on a thing can be challenging. And we're way better at it than we were, but I mean, we never had big conflicts over stuff like that. But like one of the things I've realized is, Oh, I have this voice now in my head that'll come in and say, Oh, I don't, this doesn't have to matter to me. Like which way, how we're going to do this thing. We can get from a to B going this way, or we can get from a to B going that way. And like, Oh, it doesn't, I don't have to micromanage every little thing. Yeah. All it doesn't want, have to matter. It does. This doesn't have to matter to me. And then I can just like be the passenger and it's fine. Uh, and we'll get the thing done that way. Yeah. And it's works great. As long as you get to be, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't I, matter I how so you there, get from I, A to B. I've had, I guess I've had a lot of growth in the area of realizing things that I don't have. There's a lot to be learned in sort of things that you don't really have to worry about. And again, as architects, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that we have to really pay attention and be detail oriented on things. And it makes us micromanagers and it can be hard to let go of that. And there's areas where you don't want to and you shouldn't. But, you know, there's a lot of things that you don't have to worry about that will be taken care of just fine. Earl Parson, uh, you are a, uh, an inspiration. I'm, pr I'm, I'm proud of you. I, oh, uh, I, I have, I have known you a long time. I've seen where you were and, and what you did to get to where you are today. Uh, it's been very difficult journey and it's, uh, and, uh, there were times where you talked about quitting and you kept going and it's all paying off. And so it's, I'm really happy for you. I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, where you go in the future. So you'll be back for sure to talk about uh, where the Quonset House world takes you and the, the compound. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you the one question that I ask everybody is what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So my, my answer was going to just be find your niche, but I have a better answer. Good. <laughs> Um, cause I thought I was thinking about some stuff yesterday related to us talking today. And I kind of had this other realization. We were talking about the blind spot in your mindset, you know, earlier. Yeah. So there's another part of our uh, sort of 
shared human psychology that we sort of all have at some level. And, it, and it's a thing that you, you know, you can learn about or you can read online. It's just called confirmation bias, right? Where we all have some version of confirmation bias, which, and it's kind of an uncomfortable thing, but it's sort of like, it's a natural tendency to interpret events and things in the, you know, interpret information that comes to you in such a way that it reinforces your existing beliefs. Yeah. So I kind of realized that there's this, there's a way, and, and so it's, it's kind of generally seen as like sort of a negative thing. It sort of blinds us to being really objective about decision-making in certain cases and, you know, and stuff like that. So, but then I was realizing, well, there's kind of a way you can hack your confirmation bias in your favor in certain, in a certain way, which is that by, by adopting a positive outlook, or if you take the mind, if you can adopt the mindset and, and it may not be an easy thing to, to, to sort of, you know, change your outlook on things just easily, but you, so you have to kind of remind yourself or put a little note up on above your, I have little notes above my monitor to remind me of things like this. And so if you adopt a positive outlook and, and sort of take for granted the idea that there are opportunities around us in the world all the time waiting to be acted upon if we would only see them or think of them or realize them, then, and if you're, if you're sort of mindful of the idea that there are opportunities out there all around us, then like your confirmation bias will, could maybe start finding them, you know, you might notice things that sort of reinforce, oh, well, right, because it's a benevolent world that we live in and people are generally, I mean, yes, you know, there are exceptions and there are bad things that go on in the world, but if you take if you take your point of departure on how you view the world as that people are mostly good and people are generally benevolent and the universe would just as soon have you succeed, then um, you you will start to, you know, you can start to notice things and find opportunities. And, and so there's a way in which your confirmation bias, if you have a positive mental outlook and a positive orientation towards your work, towards the people in your life, towards the world around you, then your maybe your confirmation bias can kick in and start giving you positive reinforcement about there's there there's a book I read and I I think it's now I'm forgetting what it was, but it was sort of a study on lucky and unlucky people. And it really boiled down to mindset um, in a lot of ways as to whether a person was lucky or unlucky in their life. And it's sort of like, well, what are you looking for and how are you? So I don't know. I mean, that's sort of all very vague and not a very well worked out theory. But I think there's a way you can hack your confirmation bias by adopting a positive attitude and a, and a positive orientation towards what you're doing and why and what is your message and how are you going about it and and then look back four years later your life might be entirely different <laughs> yeah well, i think i think that's an excellent answer i think that um that uh it's an intentional choice right 
that mm-hmm. that 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 to change your mindset from what it may be now to an intentional positive outlook on life is an intentional choice. And so make that choice. Just decide today that you're going to be positive. You're going to look for the positive in the world. And especially in the world that we're living in today. That is exceptional advice. Because there are there and we don't even need to get into this, but yeah, there well. there's outside forces intentionally trying to make us feel a different way. And so you need to if you have if you adopt this idea that I'm going to look for the positive in everybody, everything everybody, everything will change. You will you will be more positive and you will you will benefit from that. Excellent. So Earl, where can we find you? We got clevermoderns.com. So go check that out. Go sign up for the newsletter so you can follow Earl's journey with the compound that and he shares his amazing photography there. So go there first. Um, it's uh, clevermoderns.com. Go sign up for the for the newsletter. Instagram and YouTube are your other two main so, places and, right, and your so Facebook group. I'm Instagram. I am um, Quonset House on Instagram. There was a clever moderns Instagram that I claimed the user but name and it's there, but I, I don't use it. Yep. So Quonset uh, House is where to so find it. If you find that, that's not the right one. It's Quonset House on Instagram. It's clevermoderns.com. And uh, there's lots of resources there and check that out. And then um, on the Facebook group, so and there are links to, you know, if you go to my Instagram and click through to my profile there. There's links to all this stuff. If you go to the website and just page around, you'll find all the links to these things. Uh, the Facebook group is called DIY Quonset Dwellers. So I made a short URL that's just clevermoderns.com slash group. There you go. I learned that from a, a really great uh, guy that I follow online that just does slash group on his thing, and it gets to his group. Uh, so there's that. And then, um, I mean, Parson Architecture is still sort of my old website from before, and I, I need to update that, and it's that hasn't really... But Clever Moderns is really where it's all happening for me right now. So. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing, and uh, thanks for being part of the Entree Architect community. Well, Mark, thank, I need to thank you for what you do because you're, you know, you're changing the profession, and your work is so important, and this is just, you know... I and many others are just so grateful for you giving this platform for us to all share. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate that very much. And that is episode 244. Please share that link with a friend. That's how we are spreading the word about Entree Architect podcast. We're growing exponentially every week. And it's because of you, my friends, sharing these links, entrearchitect.com slash episode 244. You want to build a niche? You want, you know, somebody who wants to build a niche? Is it niche? Is it niche? Let me know. This is entrearchitect.com slash episode 244. Please share that link. Entree Architect membership, a new masterclass expert training webinar every month. Access to the entire archive of training sessions. There are now more than 35 covering topics for architects in business, leadership, and life, everything you need to succeed in architecture. 
Access to all our business resources, including hybrid proposal and foundations documents. That's more than 50 business forms and templates and checklists. Access to all our digital courses, including Get Focused, our powerful productivity course, and an invitation to join our private Entree Architect member forum powered by Slack. Training, resources, and a private community for small firm architects. That is Entree Architect membership. Join hundreds of your fellow entrepreneur architects and me at Entree Architect membership. Gain full instant access today for free. Free for 30 days at EntreeArchitect.com. Go check that out right now. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. 
there is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.